Thanks for tuning into the ES First podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home. Welcome to ES First. It's good to have you back. I missed you all week long. Uh, welcome back. It's been a great week. And um, we're excited here at ES First for a lot of different things. But one of the things we love here is the Word of God. We love the presence of God. And so uh, as we've been kind of exploring that, we've been in a, uh, a series on the subject of healing. Uh, we preach through books of the Bible, and we're in the book of John. And John walks us through what it is like to be with Jesus. He is very close to Jesus. He is, he is near to him for three years of his ministry. And he even refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. He begins in his gospel, in his story, his narrative, to express to us what Jesus is like. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John also have a story about Jesus. They're called the Gospels. And they talk a lot about what Jesus did, but John tells us what Jesus is like. In his first chapter, he tells us that Jesus is in closest relationship with God. And he says that no one in all of history has seen God face to face except for Jesus and that he has made him known. At the end of John, in John chapter 20, he says, I have written these things so that you might believe in Jesus and through believing you might have eternal life. And so his perspective of this whole book that we're going through is so that you can know what God is like. It's the question that all of us ask, what is God like? And even if you don't think about it throughout the day when you're busy, eventually at some point in your life, something happens to you and you are faced with these set of circumstances that beg you to ask, what is God like? Does he care? Is he interacting? Is he close to me? And all that stuff. So what what John expresses is this. Jesus has seen God face to face and Jesus is making him known. So our pursuit in following after Jesus is knowing God in a greater way. Jesus' whole purpose, the Bible says in John 10, 10, he says, Jesus' mission statement, he says it right out of his own mouth. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it running over, that you might have it more abundantly, that you might have it to the full. And I don't want it to just be a nice life and better than my neighbors and better than my dad and better than my, my family. And I, I don't want it to just be like full and oh, I have enough. I want it to be overflowing and running over with whatever God has to give. Anybody else feel that way? Anybody else just settled at certain times in their life with God? You're like, yeah, it's cool, God. That's enough, right? The nice thing about settling is that you get to just kind of determine in your own mind, in your own life, what is too much, what is not enough, and how far you will go. When you start to believe God, when you start to follow after God, he will take you further than you ever thought possible. He will cause you to believe and stretch forth your faith in many different ways that you have not yet begun to do. As a matter of fact, when he begins to call people, he starts saying, hey, why don't you leave everything and follow after me? And some people were like, you know what? I have just enough spirituality. I have just enough faith. I have just enough God in my life. It's cool. And other people are like, it's not enough. I've got to go all the way. And they leave everything and follow Jesus. For you... To become everything that God wants you to be, you're going to have to have these moments where you look into Jesus and you say, God, 
I know that there's more to you than what I am settling for. I know that Jesus himself came to give me life and life overflowing. And so I'm looking to him and I'm looking to you to do greater in my life than I ever thought imaginable. And this is why, it's a sermon, that's a whole sermon. You guys can have lunch. We'll see you next week. Uh, This is why we look into the life of Jesus so that we can be Jesus people. I don't want to be a Christian. Okay. You're like, all right. Because our idea of Christianity is a market. What? Is this a Christian movie? Is this a Christian song? Is that a Christian church? Is this a Christian athlete? Is that a Christian artist? Like, is this Christian or not Christian? Actually, the word Christian is actually a derogatory term. It was made to make fun of people who were followers of Jesus. Christian actually means little Christ. It's like, oh, you guys are a little Christ. Right? And we've adopted it. Like, yeah, we're Christians. Yay. Right? But it's one thing to be a part of a genre. It's another thing to be part of like a whole, you know, part of the world. Like I vote a Christian. I vote as a Christian. I, I go to work as a Christian. I, I take Sundays off as a Christian. And it's another thing to give God your complete and entire life. So when John writes, he says, I have written these things that you might believe in Jesus. And through believing, have eternal life. Eternal life isn't life that lasts forever, even though it does. Eternal life is eternal. It has no beginning and it has no end. It is the God kind of life and he wants it in your heart and in your soul. He wants it alive in you, flowing with power, flowing with resurrection, flowing with healing, flowing with deliverance. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about being a follower of Jesus with eternal life. Say amen to that. So we've been covering a little bit about healing because our narrative has brought us to these stories where Jesus is healing. The first one, he heals a nobleman's son who's far away. And with a word, he brings healing to his body. We talked the next week about the Syrophoenician woman who wasn't even a follower of God. She had just heard that Jesus healed and came to Jesus for healing. Jesus was not willing to heal her because she wasn't of the right bloodline. His mission was to the Jews. And he says, you're not of the family of the Jews. I'm not supposed to be. That's not my assignment right now, is what he basically says. And she says, I realize that there is bread on the the table of the children, of God's children, the Israelites. He's like, but even just a crumb from the table would be enough for me. And because of that kind of faith in approaching God, because of that kind of admiration and exaltation of who God was and acknowledging who he is and what he's doing, he heals her daughter and delivers from demons. Okay, so what we learned from the story last week is that healing is the bread of children. God's desire is healing, that he himself is the bread of life. And as we partake of him, not necessarily eating, he said, eat my flesh and drink my blood, okay? And that's symbolic. But as we begin to interact with him in our prayer, we say, give us this day our daily bread. It's pretty natural for us to look to God for bread. What God is saying is that healing is part of that bread, okay? So he talks about his mission, John 
10.10, he says, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. And he begins to demonstrate that life by doing ministry across the nation of Israel. He begins to heal, deliver. He begins to forgive sins. And people are like, you can't forgive sins. And he's like, which is easier, to forgive sins or to heal bodies? And he does both. That's our sarcastic Jesus. He's pretty cool. He's like, which is easier? And they're like, I don't know which is easier, but his ministry is demonstrating these three things. And ultimately he dies to bring these three things to all of humanity, not just him walking around and touching one person or the next person, but he himself working in anyone who will believe in his name to save, to heal and deliver. This is kind of like Old Testament, like Jesus Uh, mission statement. He says, I'm going to come and give you life to the full. This is a prophecy about him 600 years before. He says, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities and the punishment that brought us peace with God was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Now, people across all of history have taken these verses and said, well, that's just allegory. Allegory means that it's just like something poetic that means like when you say, oh, I love you to the moon and back. You don't really love them to the moon and back because, number one, you're not Jeff Bezos, and number two, that's a very close celestial body to be comparing how deep your love is. I'm saying, like, I'm going to love you to, like, at least Pluto. The moon's too close. That's all allegory. Okay? And so people go, oh, yeah, Jesus, he came to heal us. That just means he's going to take us to heaven. Oh, Jesus came to, to bore our suffering. Yeah, that just means he's going to take us to heaven. Jesus come to, to heal us. Oh, that just means he's going to take us to heaven. But the only problem with that kind of thinking is it's minimizing what God really wants to do. Because Jesus, what did he do? He came around healing, forgiving, and delivering. And as a matter of fact, so I'm going to paraphrase it for you. So what happens is, is in the midst of all this healing, the Bible says that Jesus went around healing and they brought all these people to him. And he healed each one. And it says, he did this to fulfill the prophecy that says... He took on our pain and our suffering. In other words, Jesus' direct action of healing was linked back to the verse that everybody else just wants to make allegory. The Bible is the greatest commentary on the Bible. If you want to know what the Bible has to say, look somewhere else and find out what it says about it. So if the Bible, 600 years later, is saying, hey, that verse back then was talking about this physical reality right now and he says he healed these people so that you would know that this verse is true so So don't let anybody say that healing is not real and it's not for today and god does not want to heal god wants to heal in first thessalonians 5 and 23 may god himself the god of peace sanctify you through and through means that he wants to do a work in your whole entire body may your whole spirit soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. People tell you this, that you need to not go around having sex with everybody because you need to be holy in your body, which is true. Don't go around having sex with everybody. You need to be holy in your body. Let that be a lesson to you. Sermon number one. The second thing is that God is concerned about your spirit, your soul, and your body. 
the early church in the first 300 years after Jesus, when they began to talk about Jesus' salvation, which is the word sozo, we get this word soteriology. It's how we are saved. They say, how are we saved? We have thousands of years of history that talks about how Jesus wants us to cover our sins with the shed blood of a lamb for thousands of years. And Jesus comes and the Bible says that he sheds his blood once and for all to pay for your sins. Okay, that's that word sozo. When you were saved, you said, Jesus, I believe in you. Forgive me in my sins. I want to follow after you. You pray a little prayer when you're six or you came to an altar and you cried your eyes out. And you said, God, save me. That's God sozo me. God, save me. Okay? You believe that your sins were forgiven. Nobody had to give you a little certificate. Nobody had to go through the word and convince you. You believed it. You felt it. You knew it. You believed God with limited information. Am I right or am I right? right? And you began a life with Jesus where you followed after him. You didn't have to go to enough Sunday school classes. You didn't have to take enough communion. You didn't have to give enough money in the offering. You didn't have to go down this checklist. You believed and you were saved. But it's bigger than just believing for forgiveness of your sins. The Bible says that sozo is this, that you are forgiven for your sins, that be your spirit is made new, the Bible says. Okay? delivered from torments that happen in your mind, your will, and your emotions. This is why when you walk around all day talking about my anxiety, my anxiety, my anxiety, you are not living God's best for you. He came to deliver you and your anxiety because he wants to deliver you spirit, soul, who you are in your personality. Right? He says, I've not given you a spirit of fear. So, He delivers spirit, soul, and body. He wants to forgive your sins and make you go from death to life in your spirit. He wants to deliver you in your soul. He wants to grow you from your filthy habits, your stupid stinking thinking. And he wants to grow you into who he wants you to be. He wants to sanctify you in your soul. And he says, I want to save your body. He knows that this body is decaying. If I have cancer, he heals me of cancer today at 42 years old. Guess what? At some time on this earth, in this life, Brandon Block is going to die, right? No matter what Jesus does to heal your body right here, it is still decaying. You can go completely vegan if you want. Okay. It's not going to save you from death. Right? You can get in a hyperbaric chamber. You can pay for all the greatest doctors in the world. You are still going to die. And so God says, I'm going to fix that. We're going to go from this life to where I want you to be, which is the next life. My father died of COVID. He took his last breath at almost 80 years old. And in one second, he gasped for breath. And it was his last. And the next minute, he was completely healed. God knew that this life wasn't enough. He had to bring complete healing. And so do I know that healing is God's will? Yes, I do. And you say, Brandon, well, you got some things in your life that aren't healed. You betcha. Okay? I have three kids, special needs kids. They have a chromosomal disorder. They started off and they said, they may never walk. They may never talk. They may never, and they just go right down the line. Okay? But I, I said, no, that's not my reality. She's not nonverbal. She's preverbal. She will talk. And if you've been close to my daughter, Avery, 
She just turned 11 this week. Make sure you tell her happy birthday. But the way that she's growing as I believe God to heal her in secession, it may not be instantaneous, but guess what? There is a healing that happens over time, right? Have you ever experienced healing over time? Anybody? And you're like, they told me I never walk again. And now I'm walking. It took me eight months, but I'm walking, right? Carol's waving at me. She, when I met Carol, she was in a wheelchair and a walker. And they said, you'll never walk. You have MS. I remember the day that she stood up out of that wheelchair and ran around this church. And here she is today. Okay? Yeah, that's, that's exciting. My mother will tell you when she couldn't talk because she had a stroke and she would just sit in there like this. And nobody would talk to her because they were scared of her. My mother would talk to her and we're at a potluck and she said, what do you want? What do you want? And she, and she would explain to her what it is that, do you want apples? Do you want green beans? Do you want that nasty spaghetti thing with the hot dogs that Sister Hootendiddle made? You know, and she's like, <laughs> you know, blink three times if you don't want that, <laughs> you know, Right? We carried her wheelchair to the basement for the dinner and carried it back up. Let me tell you something. God is a healer. There's two words for healing in the New Testament. They're both Greek. One is eaomai. It's instantaneous healing. It's used about 20 to 30 times. I think it's closer to 30. I don't have my numbers exactly in front of me. It's used exactly that. Like you can go through the words and you you find it and you go eaomai and you tally up one okay eaomai is instantaneous healing it's like when god heals the nobleman's son nobleman's son's clear back over there and he goes back and he calculates he says at the exact moment that jesus said be healed he was healed there's another word it says it it is this word therapeo therapeo is where we get our word therapy hmm Okay? I don't mean that Jesus went around and therapied people and said, sit on my couch and you know, they come to physical therapy. How's your knee doing? It's getting stronger and stronger every day. But I do mean this. It's what when, most times when Jesus is explained as therapeoing someone, what happens is, is they cooperate with his healing power. Right? It's usually his word. Okay, so he says something like blind man comes to him and he's healed blind men just like that. Boom, be healed and they can see. Okay, one guy, he decides to spit in the mud. Hallelujah. Spits dirt, makes some mud. And then he takes his big loogie of a spit and wipes it on the guy's eyes. Say amen to that. God doesn't do everything the way you want it to do. All right. I don't know what the hygiene was back then, but I'm guessing they didn't have Listerine and Colgate. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what Jesus is, if it was like a heavenly breath, you know, people say like, baby's breath is so, smells so good. It's like, they're so healthy. It's just like, no, I mean, babies have vomited on me and I wanted to vomit on them. Okay. So I don't think Jesus had like a holy breath. He just had a natural man breath. Okay. He spits in this, he wipes it on the guy's eyes. And then he says, go wash in the pool. What's that? Instruction. Corresponding action. And that guy goes and washes in the pool. He washes it off. And Jesus goes, what do you see? And the guy's like, I, I see men like trees. And Jesus is like, oh Lord, we didn't get it done. Okay. So, 
This is one of the most controversial uh, verses because people try to explain it away. Well, Jesus, we have partial healing and then whole. You can just settle for partial healing. It's like, no, I don't want to settle for partial healing. I want to be like Jesus who looks at the guy and says, go wash again. And he washes the second time. Now he can see. Now he can see. But what did he do? He interacted with God's word. He interacted with instruction. He was obedient to what God says. And I'm not saying like you have, you have sickness or disease or whatever because you were you were disobedient to God, but I'm saying your therapeo is often in following after what God said. In the Bible, it says that sometimes we experience sickness and disease simply because we have unforgiveness towards people in our heart, right? I'm not saying every sickness is like that, but that's, that's what the verse says. Right? Trust me, if you're like, I have cancer, people will be like, yep, I knew it. They're bitter towards somebody. That's not necessarily true. Okay? But did you know that psychologists and doctors in the secular world are proving that to be true? One psychologist said this, I could clear out 100% of a psych ward if people would just learn how to forgive themselves. That was probably 50 years ago. But it's true. And so sometimes things in your soul that you're not willing to deal with and bring under Jesus will come out in physical manifestations. We know that more and more and more every single day. So, Ieomai and Therapeo. I believe that my daughter Avery is Therapeo. She's getting better and better and better all the time. Amen. <laughs> getting better and better and better all the time. I believe there's a day that she's going to stand up and preach the gospel to you. And you're going to say, I remember, I remember, I remember. So we are, we have corresponding action to Avery's healing. My cousin has a son who's like 22 and extreme autism. I mean, doesn't talk anything. They take him to go get stem cell treatments in Panama, the country of Panama. And, uh, she asked my mother, she says, does Brandon believe in healing or does he just think in that it's, and she said this way, there's three different ways that God will heal, that I'll be this way forever. And it's it's just the way it's going to be, or that medicine will fix it. And we'll just get as far as we can with healing through medicine. And my mom looked at her and said, Brandon believes in healing. And she said, Oh good. Oh good. Isn't it good to know that somebody else believes God for you? that believes God for your situation, that believes God for your children, that believes God for your marriage, that believes God for your life. And so this story today, Thessalonians, spirit, soul, and body, this is one. Here we go. Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, my soul. Hmm. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. There's people who will tell you, don't believe God for too much. Don't be just a, a mooch off God. He's like, okay, I don't think you realize how the world works, okay? Because you wouldn't have this if God didn't exist. <laughs> praise the Lord on my soul. What he's doing is, is he's commanding his soul to praise the Lord. I tell you what he's not doing. He's not having a pity party. Hello. Praise the Lord on my soul. Forget not all his benefits. He's reminding himself of who God is. And he says, who forgives all your sins. And to that we say, amen. 
who heals all your diseases. Well, I don't know about that. And the next one, check this out. Who redeems your life from the pit, crowns you with love and compassion. Half the people who call themselves Christians don't even believe that God loves them. Love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things. People say, well, not desires. I mean, like, like needs. Like, you know, if you need a loaf of bread, God will give you a loaf of bread. But he's not going to give you a steak. You know. <laughs> I know it because I eat steak. Um, <laughs> who satisfies your desires with good things. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. That's good. It's God's heart for you. So when Jesus comes on the scene in John chapter 5, this is what happens. John chapter 5 and verse 1. You turn there, you can read with me. Here it goes. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him laying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Wouldn't you know it? Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. And the day on which took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. And he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. And so they asked him, who was this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? And the man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus' head slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you're well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and, went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who made him well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the healing power of God. We believe that it's effective for our life. I believe that you let faith rise in this place, that we would know healing for real. Not just some kind of illusion of healing, but real healing in our midst. Because you are here. I pray that our soul and our spirit will be held blameless before you. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's this guy, he's laying next to the pool. Pool Bethesda is this, uh, it's right outside the temple. When I say right outside, I mean like if you were to walk outside in the parking lot, there would be a pool there. It's like the temple, you like walk out, boom, here it is, the Pool Bethesda. It's not really there, but there's like remnants of it there now. And what would happen, it was kind of a superstition. I don't know if it was superstition, if it was psychosomatic, or it was absolutely real. But the Bible says that an angel would come down and trouble the waters. Okay, stir up the waters. You know what I mean? Like, like when you put bubble bath in your tub and you're like, I got to get some bubbles in here. Like that kind of trouble. Trouble the waters and then you get in and then you got a big bubble bath. It says the angel would come down and trouble the waters. And if you got into the water, whoever got into the water at that time, which was usually one person, 
then they would be healed. And they'd go away and they'd be healed. So naturally, everybody's hanging out around this place. This guy's been lame for 38 years. The Bible doesn't say he was laying there for 38 years, but he had been hanging out there for a long time. Right? And I don't know if it was like once a year or once a month or once a week, the troubles, the water would get troubled or whatever it was. But there was a, a sense of anticipation that if I get here, something will happen. If I, if I get here, my circumstances will change. If I get here, then I'll be healed. And so they came and he was just hanging out. But there's a, a trouble with this issue of expectation. Usually when you have expectations, you are let down. Any ever been, been let down from their expectations? You know what I mean? Anybody? Is it just me? Is it just pastors that have to go through letdowns? Or does everybody feel that? And so here's this guy, he's laying there. And Jesus walks up. And Jesus asks probably the stupidest question I've ever heard a God ask. He says, do you want to get well? And anybody in that vicinity, I'm sure, was like, <gasps> no, he didn't. Did, did he just ask that guy? I can imagine if there was social media, they would go to social media and say he was a terrible person. I'm, they would probably defame him, cancel him, do everything they could possibly do to say this guy is rude and, and doesn't know how to act. And they, they, would just, they would just go through every piece of it. But Jesus and this guy have this interaction. They begin to talk. He says, do you want to get well? And I don't know why Jesus picked this one guy. But he starts talking to him. Do you want to get well? And if it were me, I think I would just say, yeah. If it were you, would you just say, yeah. Hey, do you want to be healed? Yeah. And this guy goes another route. He doesn't give the one word answer. Yes. He says, well, here's the deal. <laughs> you know, it's like angel comes down, troubles the water. And he starts explaining to this guy, Jesus. It's like the water's troubled. And then everybody goes and gets down and it's a big ruckus. And I'm sitting here and I don't have anybody to help me get in the water. I can't walk so good if you didn't notice. And I'm just sitting here and it's like, you know, I've been here a long time. They haven't called my number. I haven't been there at the right time. Sometimes I just go down there and walk like maybe in the next second. Then they'll, the, the water's will boom and you just dive in. Like, I wonder how often he got really close, you know, like I'm going to be, make sure that I'm, I'm right there, you know. It's like when you're expecting a call and you're like making sure your phone still works and you call your mom and you're like, hey, cool, this is just a test, just making sure the phone still works, you know. You ever text somebody and say, test? It's because it's been a while. And here's this guy. Maybe he tested the waters. I wonder if it needs to, tr- to be bubbled. Still lame. And he begins to explain his situation to Jesus. Now, when I was a kid, we used to sing songs about prayer. We say this. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. I cannot bear these burdens alone. Right? 
And that's how we feel. I got to tell Jesus. I got to tell Jesus. I got to tell Jesus. Great song. Not always the best practice. Yes, we should take it to him in prayer. We say, uh, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we didn't carry everything to God in prayer. And we equate prayer to complaining. And here's this guy. He's sitting there. Jesus says, offers him a solution. And says, do you want to get well? And he says, well, the, the water and nobody to help me. I'm all alone. This is miserable. I don't have one special needs kid. I got three. They rub poop on the walls. They ruined my sink. And now I can't brush my teeth in it because I got to go through and undo the whole thing. I don't even know what's in this sink, but I know it's not good. I've tried every type of Drano. I mean, I wake up in the morning, I come down and I realize that there has been a kid, not a rat, in my kitchen playing with everything, making their own cupcakes, sprinkling things around, massaging oil into the floor. I mean, doing it all, I could use a little help. Jesus didn't ask that. Jesus didn't ask you to unload on him. Even though he can bear it. He didn't say, hey, what's the issue here? How can I do just enough to make your life a little easier? How can I take this one thing off your plate so you can carry the rest? He says, do you want to get well? And I would venture to say that probably us, the pool is our Google search engine. You know what I mean? I think I got a little wax buildup in my ear. I'm going to go to the pool of Google. Find out how to get rid of that. I got troubles with my marriage. I wonder what Google has to say about that. I got troubles with my money. I need to learn how to, oh, penny pinching saving mama. Yes, Lord, I think God sent this here. (laughs) Babe, did you know we can use coupons? You can get stuff for free from Walgreens if you got the right system. What are we going to do with 12 bottles of foot fungus remover? I don't know, we're pinching pennies. Do you want to get well? Yeah, but it's, it's, it's not that easy. Let me tell you what I know about the situation. Let me tell you what they said. Trust me. They don't say Angelman syndrome is healable when I talk to them. When you talk to a therapist, when you go to talk to their teachers and you line out an IEP and like, we need to do all this stuff. It's like, yes, do all that. Therapeo to the jump. And then what we're going to do is we're going to pray that the anointing of the Holy Spirit falls on her. And one day she just wakes up just talking. And they're like, (laughs) have you been to Google on that? (laughs) And God says, do you want to be made well? He says, nothing. He says, everything but the corresponding answer that is effective for what he wants. Jesus is standing there. Now, here's the deal. Everywhere Jesus went, he was doing ministry. Ministry saved healed, delivered, forgiven, 
delivered from torments, and healed in people's bodies. This is what he did. And remember what we said, Jesus is revealing the heart of God. And I wonder if he's sitting there, he goes, well, I just don't think God wants me to be healed. Because, and he starts naming all the reasons. Because if God wanted me to be healed, when I dipped my toe in that time, he would have been there to trouble the water. It would have happened. He would have sent somebody. If it, but he just hasn't. He just hasn't. Nothing is getting better. As a matter of fact, everything is getting worse. I'm not going to believe in God anymore. because. And Jesus comes by and he's like, I'm going to reveal the heart of God to you. Do you want to be well? Do you want to be well? And most of us don't even ask ourselves that question. Because we're scared of what we might say. I don't know. What would we require for you to be well in your life? What would end if you were well in your life? What relationships would have to go if you were well in your life? And Jesus' presence changes everything. Now everybody is around Jesus. Jesus is right there. He's standing there. God in the flesh. One man gets healed because he interacts with that living presence of God. And he says, take up your mat and walk. And for a second, I'm sure that every thought ran through this guy's head. I can't walk. What does he mean? Is this guy crazy? What? I'll lose all my friends here at this pool. I've gotten to know some really solid guys. What happens if the water's troubled? And what if I put my faith in what Jesus said and then I walk away from this solution? And the man takes up his mat and walks. He interacted with the presence of God. And I believe more than anything, because I looked at this story, and I've, one time I went through all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I wrote down every time somebody was healed. And then I did like a little like book report on what happened, what was said, who was healed, how they were healed, and all that stuff. And, and through my, my life, I've, I've been like, well, how, do, how does healing happen? What, what do I have to say? What does Jesus say? And you know, most of the time, Jesus doesn't say what we say. Will you pray for me that my foot fungus would go away? Saints have blessed prayers, but they're not always effective. What's the difference between somebody who experiences healing and someone who just experiences a prayer, a superstitious pool, a method? I believe, what I can see from reading the Bible, is that the only difference is not a formality of religion, a system of how I make steps to get God to do what I want in my life. The only difference is people who are in the presence of God, Jesus, and interact with him. That's the only difference I see. What is said doesn't necessarily matter. Whether they lay hands on them or they spit in their eyes. Trust me, if anybody wants to be healed of blindness, come on down, I'll spit right in your eyes. I got some good saliva going That's not necessarily the pattern. What we have to find out is the personality of God. 
It's not about the pattern of how I do things. It's like we could reenact every one of Jesus' miracles, but that's not what God is asking us to do. He says, I want you to know my personality. I don't want you to know like how we're supposed to make it happen. I want you to, to just get close to me and then follow me. And as you get closer, you'll hear my voice and it'll be like, hey, pray for that guy. He's got sickness. I need him to interact with my presence. But how long has it been since you've interacted with the presence of God? What happens at the end of this story is that people come to this guy like, why are you carrying your mat? You didn't know that on the Sabbath you weren't supposed to do that. You know, you thought you were supposed to take the day off. But he's like, no, you don't even carry your mat somewhere. That's too much work. You don't even water your animals. That's too much work. You don't even cook no food. That's too much work. So they're all up in arms because they have a pattern for getting to God. This guy just had the presence of Jesus. Who told you you can carry your mat? He's like, I don't know this guy. And he goes back and he finds him and it's Jesus. And he tells him, he's like, it, was, it was Jesus, it was Jesus, it was Jesus. It's testimony to his presence, which is the power to change. In the Bible, we have so many patterns. Patterns are good. Like we come to church based on a pattern. We take communion based on a pattern. Right? Jesus said, hey, do it this way. And it's a pattern. It's not the exact same thing. We didn't go to the upper room. We didn't have some wine and, and unleavened bread. Probably some hummus there, I'm sure. And uh, maybe some goat. I'm not sure exactly, but I'm guessing it's probably pretty close to my favorite meal. And we don't have to do it exactly like that. You've been here for a Seder dinner. It's as great as we can do. It's a pattern that follows the original. It can be manipulated and changed a little bit, but it's just to draw us back. We want a pattern. So we, we baptize people in water and bring them back up and say, why don't you sprinkle? And say, I, I really don't know, except for that Jesus went under, so I'm going under. It's just the pattern. Say, so how do you get close to God? I really don't know if it's like, you know, say 3,000 Hail Marys, but I don't think that's it. Is it you should go into a priest and you should, you should experience it. I've been in, in the Vatican. I've been in, in beautiful temples. I've, I've been to the, the, the wailing wall and prayed against the wailing wall and stuck my prayer in the wall. And it's a beautiful thing. But trust me, I've experienced the same presence of God at Loose Park walking through a field. I've been out in the cornfields picking stuff. I've experienced the same presence and power. I've been in my car driving through nowhere land and God came on me I'm telling you it's not about the pattern it is about the presence of God and so we don't have to go to a pool and we got to shake it up and be like hey when's the angel going to come can something happen here we don't have to replicate it God's not looking for replication. He's just looking for your relationship. And he walks up to you and I every second of every day. And he's like, hey, I know you you got that Google thing going. And I know you're worried about everything. And you're trying to find the right solution. But do you you want to get well? And the difference between somebody who experiences God in his fullness, overflowing, is the person who interacts with his presence. I hate when people ask me stupid questions. And I can imagine this guy who's been lame for 38 years has had every stupid question in the book. I can imagine his sarcastic tone that's just on deck. (laughs) I can imagine he has an answer for every stupid thing said to him. 
I can imagine his calloused heart. I can imagine the way when somebody mentions the hot button in his life, like when somebody says special needs, I'm like, yeah, you didn't know that half of me. I got three of those jokers. I got five jokers and three that are special. How easy is it to get calloused? Jesus asked him a stupid question. Do you want to get well? He could have been like, get out of here, man. Take off. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> who are you? Nice dress. He could have said a billion things to this guy. For some reason, the presence of God came. And he said, well, I, I just have trouble getting out of the water. And Jesus is saying, no, do you want to be well? I, I, I don't really have many friends and I'm, I'm in this alone. And No, but do you want to be, do you want to be well? And then Jesus gave him the word by which he decided to cooperate with. Take up your bed and walk. And he could have said, I'm cool. No, if you want to make me well, you'll make me well. But instead, he he rolled off that thing and was like. And I got a feeling that as he just like each roll was like, I, this is stupid. This is dumb. That he started getting feeling back in his toes. And I got a feeling his legs started to get some power. He's like, this feels different. This doesn't feel like an angel. This doesn't feel like the water. This is different. And what if you and I were to to respond to the presence of God? And stupid questions. Like, hey, go that way. Why? Hey, it's time to move and, and move on to this thing. Why? I don't know, just try, just corresponding action to the presence of God, to relationships. Like, that's not the way it looked in the Bible. I'm not asking for a pattern. I'm asking you to trust my personality. I save, heal, and deliver. I save, heal, and deliver. I save, heal, and deliver. Do you know me? We say, yes, God. We want to know you every second of every day. Every second of every day. We want to know you, Jesus. We just lift your hands, open your hands, whatever hand on your heart. Just respond to God in some way right now. Just saying, God, come. God, do something in our lives. We don't need just an instruction. We need your presence. We don't need just a miracle. We need your presence. We don't need just a nice little saying to give us hope what we need is your presence and in your presence is fullness of joy and your presence is, is the peace we've been looking for and your presence is the answer in your words is, is life and it's instruction to get us to the next place God in your presence we believe that you're saving you're healing and you're delivering would you just receive this question today? Do you want to be well for Jesus? Do you want to be well? And I pray that you wouldn't give him every 
excuse in the book. You would just, in your heart and your mind, lay it before him in your hands and say, God, this is yours. God, this is yours. God, this is yours. Overwhelm your people today with power and presence and glory. Overwhelm your people today with healing signs and wonders. Restore and renew. Do what we never thought imaginable. Because you're here. You're here. You're here. Lord, we make your presence a priority over every pattern, over everything, over every decision. We make your presence a priority. Fall on us, God. Fall on us, God. Rest on us, Lord. God, we believe you. We believe you. If you need healing in your body, would you just slip out from where you are and come up front? We pray for you. We've already seen so many healing from last week. We want healing in the body. Healing in your body. I just want to pray for uh, I want to pray for the mind so many times we're like oh, my, my knee's good and my ankle's good and my back is good and, but you just want the presence of God to touch you in a way that changes the things that you face at 5pm the things that you face at 10pm when you get up in the morning and you don't want to face it anymore you don't want to get up God would heal your mind. I could call out like depression, anxiety, and it's like just seems so it's it's real for people. I don't I'm not saying that, but it seems so just cliche. But let's start there. And you know what you deal with. Sometimes it's suicidal thoughts, sometimes it's 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 feelings of worth, sometimes it's feeling loved. Sometimes it's feeling accepted and forgiven. We're gonna pray for that. So Wherever you are, just, just hand, hands in the air. We're going to pray for people's minds of, of all types. And it's not one thing specifically. We're going to pray restoration and healing over you. And Lord, we thank you for the healing of the mind. I curse every trick of the enemy, every weapon of the enemy, every demon in hell that wants to attach itself to these people, these children of God. I break the things that this world has said is okay to live with. And I speak peace, the peace of God, that Jesus has made peace with God available to these people. Peace that helps them sleep at night. Peace that helps them achieve during the day. Peace that helps them parent. Peace that helps their relationships. Peace that helps them be successful. In Jesus' name, I pray right now for the joy of the Lord to be their strength, the joy of the Lord in healing every part of their body and their mind. I pray that they would walk in complete joy that bubbles over from their belly, deep inside that comes up. I pray for addictions that need to be cursed because they're, they're, they're a part of their life because they replace who you want to be. I pray right now that you would have first place, that King Jesus would take his place on the throne of their minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, we thank you for 
your great presence and power in this place. We thank you for more than enough. We thank you for restoration and healing, salvation. I pray that you would anoint this week. You would go before us. The blessing of God would be on us. The favor of God would surround us like a shield. We are your people, the sheep of your pasture. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week. We'll see you soon.